and that would be an asset. Your, the skills that you have, whether it's uh, learning how to do hair, uh, for the boys, how many of you guys play sports? So you, well, okay, the girls, how many, how many of you in here in general play sports? All right, so anything that you know how to do in sports, whether it's how to like, shoot a jump shot, or maybe it's a technique when you're like practicing for track, all of that, you can monetize that and turn it into a business. You don't have to have a huge building or you know a location somewhere. If you have something of value that is worth somebody else paying for, then that can be a business. And so I know when I was young, when I was in eighth grade, uh, there was a lot of old people that lived in my neighborhood. And so in St. Louis, like everybody has big yards. I mean, you guys all live in houses, so you guys have front yards, backyard. So everybody has big yards, and I knew that these old people that are 75, 80 years old, they're not gonna be out there cutting the grass. They're not gonna be out there raking their leaves. They're not gonna be shoveling their driveways. So what I would do is, depending on the season, I would go specifically to the old people's houses and say, hey, can I rake your leaves for 15 bucks? Can I cut your grass for $20? Can I shovel your driveway? And so you do six or seven of those things, you're making 200, 300 bucks. It, it got to a point where my mom, I never used to ask my mom for money because one time she told me no, that's what made me say, okay, I'm gonna go get it myself. And so once, you, once I got a taste of that, it kind of um, set, just set me up for entrepreneurship to where you can make money pretty much about doing anything. Like everything is for sale. You know, we live in America, whether it's a good or a service, you can make some money. And so I remember um, the, first, the first pair of shoes I bought, they were Chuck Taylors. Like, I'm wearing Chucks now, I guess that was why. I bought some blue Chuck Taylors with yellow shoelaces because that was like a color that everybody in my school was doing. And so uh, I raked a whole bunch of leaves so I could buy my own sneakers. And then from then, it was just, that was how I did it. I just never asked my parents for money before. Um, liabilities, I'm pretty sure people are more familiar with the liabilities because that's what we hear a lot about. Credit card debt. Do any of you in here have credit cards? Oh, uh, you have credit cards? So who, who, who pays the bill, you or your parents? <laughs> okay, so uh, credit card debt is a liability simply because it's, it's borrowed money at astronomical interest rates. It's like 24%, 21, between 21 and 24%. Um, the typical interest rate on a mortgage is 5%. So credit cards is 20% higher. So that's a form of liability. Student loans, you guys probably don't know about that yet. I'm pretty sure these gentlemen have a little bit of experience with student loans. Student loans is uh, um, our forms of liabilities as well because you know you have to pay those things back. When they give you money to go to school, they didn't give it to you. They're expecting you to cut that check back to them. Um, two years, okay? Um, you have to have a credit score of at least a 620. Does anybody here know what credit is? Yeah. I want somebody to explain it since you say you know. Some, somebody said yeah. Okay, yeah. So isn't it a liability though because of the interest? No, well see, credit and credit cards is, is different. Credit cards is a type of credit. But once I'm talking about like your credit score, which is your ability, which is basically uh, creditors determine your ability to pay back money. It's basically like, I want to know what's the probability that if I give you $100, you're going to give it back to me. And so there's a, there's a numerical value, a credit score that they use to determine how trustworthy you are. The higher it is, then the more likely you are to pay back. So if I give you 100 bucks and consistently you make payments to me every month and I get my money back, then I'm gonna be more likely to wanna give you more. But if I give you 100 bucks and the first payment comes around, you don't pay me or you're four days late, and next month comes, comes around, you're two weeks late, and then you end up just not paying me at all, then the credit bureaus are gonna give you a lower score. This guy's a bad bet, he doesn't pay. Don't give him any money. 
And so one of the things about when you're trying to get property, since a bank is gonna give you thousands, sometimes even hundreds of thousands of dollars to purchase a property off credit, they would get short. That's why like when you buy cars, Exactly. So when they give you a loan for Exactly. Okay. So like she said, when you go to finance a car, they pull your credit because they want to see what your history is with other people that have let you borrow money. And it just kind of lets them know whether you're a good bet, whether you're going to pay them back or not. So what what money from your job are you using to pay your mortgage? Uh, I want some more. You want some more interaction? None. None. Exactly. So. And now you have a building that's paying you $2,000. How many of you have a job that pays you $2,000 a month? No All right, so that's the, I guess, the reverse engineering of owning property versus working. Because in order to work, you know, if you're trying to make $100,000 a year, you know, you may require to get a degree. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. That degree is going to get in student loan debt like myself and, and the rest of us. So you now get in debt in order to get a job to where if you're $40,000 in student loan debt when you graduate from college and you can't find a job that pays you $40,000 a year, how are you going to pay your student loan debt back? It's kind of like a cycle that you're kept into being poor. And so uh, I, that's why I believe that real estate is one of the best ways to kind of um, navigate through there and just have a leg up. Not saying that having jobs are bad. It's definitely a starting point. I, I've had jobs before. My first job, I worked at Jack in the Box. You guys had Jack in the Box here? We don't have it here. Well, I used to live in Texas, so we don't have it What's Jack in the Box? It's like, it's a fast food chain. It's in the Midwest and down south. I don't think they have it up here. But yeah, my first job, I worked at Jack in the Box. I was cooking tacos. Uh, my second job, I worked with Sonic, you know, with roller skates. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> food to you on the skates. Uh, my third job, um, I worked at Starbucks. I worked at Starbucks for four months. I actually quit. Um, and then, uh, what job was that? See, I, I, I never really lasted long at jobs because I always, I always felt like I was being exploited. Not necessarily by the employers, but just by the system of, of having a W-2 job. You know, I used to work at um, Banana Republic once, and so I was getting paid $12 an hour. And uh, this girl I went to school with, she started working at the same location about like a month after I was there. And one day she came in, she was excited. She's like, yeah, Tosin, you know, I, I sold $1,500 worth of clothes today. And she was happy. And in my mind, I'm like, why the hell are you happy that you sold, fit? like, you get paid $12,000 just like me. Your paycheck today was like $140. So. Banana Republic paid you $140, but you sold $1,500 worth of clothes for them, and you happy? I was like, if I was Banana Republic, I'd pay you $140 to make me $1,500. And so I would, I would always look at that. How much am I being paid versus how much money am I generating for this company? And it always just made sense to you be the company, you be the business. Whatever skills you have, what other trades you know, whatever it is, you figure out a way to where you can monetize it, you can be the one that can hire people and have people working for you and making your empire bigger. You know, does that sound good to anybody? Or? So uh, what is your biggest asset? Since now we know that an asset makes money and a liability takes money, what do you think is your biggest asset? I want to hear something from this side of the room. Y'all kind of quiet.
What's your biggest asset? Like, what's, what's your, well, he told you what it is. What's your biggest skill? What do you think you best at that you could probably make money off or build a company upon later on? Say it again. Say playing ball. Examples of assets of cash. Everybody knows what cash is. Does anybody know what a stock is? Pieces of existing company. So, for so uh, Apple, Apple is a company that's listed on the stock market. I think their share price is like $111 a share. So, if you had 111 bucks, you could go and buy one share of Apple, and now you own a piece of that company. It costs you money. Let you stop paying your property tax, and you stop paying your mortgage. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to come take it from you. So, when so when you buy it, it doesn't mean it's yours. But, however. Everybody wants to live in a house, you know, sometimes you, when you have a family, you don't want to live in an apartment building. So it's perfectly fine to have a house, but a, a house should not be the first property that you buy out you give me a CD. I can't cash that CD in tomorrow. I have to wait whether it's a year, two years, three years, five years until I can come and get my money plus the interest back. The reason why they do this is because during that time, they're loaning your money out to other people. So they're making money off of your money, so they need like it to be locked in so that they can do what they have to do and they couldn't pay. Uh, rental properties. Um, how many people here live in an apartment? Nobody lives in an apartment? Everybody got houses? I don't believe that. That's what's up. <laughs> For real? Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. So um, a rental property, if you own rental